Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 80 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today's prayer mandate is to cry out. What is the proper response for those in sin, in oppression, in bondage, for those who are backslidden, for those facing judgment, for those concerned about lost loved ones, or even for those seeking justice? The response is to cry out. Because the word of God says that those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. The Bible says that we are to pray continually. Every aspect of our Christian walk comes by faith. And that faith is both received and released in the act of praying. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that we must pray to hear his word. And even when we read We cannot understand unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to us so that we must come to him in prayer first and ask him to speak to us through his word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 it says to pray without ceasing every day in everything in every season and for every reason. We need to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God seek his face and cry out in faith that we might receive his grace. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. My friend, I ask you today that is there not a cause, as little David said when he stood before that giant, that impossible task, that enemy that threatened, the very foundation of the nation that he stood for, that God so dearly loved, and no one was willing to stand their ground in faith and righteousness, little David stepped up and said, is there not a cause? Because if there is a holy righteous cause, God will step in to defend those who are willing to stand and possess the land, to profess God's holiness, his faithfulness, his righteousness, to prove that you have faith in him. He will defend the defenseless when they stand in defense of what he has spoken. But David's faith, his confidence, his assurance came because that he had prayed. He had heard a word from the Lord and obeyed. So my friend today, it begins by pressing in and crying out to the name of the Lord God Almighty. We are going to pray because there is a cause. There is justice. There is a judgment. There are lost people not prepared for it. There are oppressions and confusions. The enemy is running rampant and God's spirit is ready to move in. But he's waiting for the people to get desperate and call upon the name of the Lord. It's time to humble ourselves and cry out. In Matthew 26, verse 40, Jesus told his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane when he faced his moment of trial and judgment was about to be poured out upon the earth that Jesus was going to step in the way of. It says that he came to his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you see, my friend, that we are strengthened in that place of prayer. Because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was even weak, knowing what he was about to face. And it says that as he prayed, prayed God sent an angel to strengthen him for the task ahead but the disciples they weren't praying they were sleeping while judgment was approaching therefore when it came they were not prepared for it they had not been praying so they fell to 
temptations. And in this, do we understand that? Does this make it very clear that the way to avoid falling into temptation is to assure that we continue praying? When you spend that time in prayer, he will show you the assignments of the enemy and how to step around every trap and snare. So we need to not just wait until everything falls apart before we start to cry out to the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before him daily, seek his face and cry out, Lord, show me, direct me, correct me, teach me your ways that I may walk in them and rightly fulfill them. In Luke chapter 18, verse one, it says, and he spake this parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus gave an entire parable to bring them to this one point that men should pray continuously, always to pray and not to grow weary in it or to cease from doing it or to get tired of it, but to pray continually. Remember that the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to do any wonderful works, any miracles, or even how to preach. They asked him, teach us how to pray because it's when we cry out to him that he comes and steps in and fills us and changes us and cultivates us and empowers us. It's the humility that is released when we get down on our knees and cry out, God, come and fill me because I can't do this on my own. We can do nothing without him, but except that we abide in him, connect to that vine and draw from the Holy Spirit, that we be filled with it, that we hear it and obey it by faith, that grace is released to accomplish God's great missions of impossibility. Can you not pray with him one hour? that you not fall into temptation or the snares of the enemy. Can we not bend the knee and cry out to the king that we might walk in destiny and righteousness and represent him rightly, our great God of faithfulness and holiness and power and mercy. He delights in his children walking in the truth. But because the disciples fell away from praying. They got too comfortable where they were and started sleeping. They were not prepared for the temptations that began to fall when the judgment approached. And for this, even Peter himself denied Christ three times before the cock crowed that morning. How much would God have prepared him that he would have not had to walk through that shame if only he had listened to the instruction of the Lord and prayed. When you stop praying, you start straying. If you're not pursuing, you're falling away. The Bible says that there is no temptation that is not common to every man, yet some fall into the snare and some do not. What is the difference? The Bible gives us the answer. If you will seek the Lord, if you will pray, he will show you the way of escape from every temptation that you not have to fall to it. But the Bible is also clear that if you think that you cannot fall away, then you will fall away because you will not see the need to seek his face and pray every day to find the way of escape. It makes you spiritually lazy to think that you can't fall away. And so the scripture warns very strongly against this kind of thinking. God has given us the power, authority, and ability by his Holy Spirit to overcome. The word of God says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. And it says in the book of Revelations that to those who have overcome has Christ given to be seated with him, to rule and reign with him in heavenly places. There is victory. Is anything too hard for our God? There is absolute victory over sin and temptation if there's not then the bible is a lie and there's no purpose in us living a christian life but jesus came and died that he might overcome sin and the enemy that he might put to death according to scripture the works of the enemy that by his blood we could be redeemed 
from the curse of the enemy that we are no longer bound whom the son sets free is free indeed but how do we achieve this great victory my friend he makes it so easy you have to humble yourself before the king and cry out because all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that the name of Jesus literally means he saves or salvation? When we cry Jesus, we are crying salvation, salvation. Come and save me. The God who saves, I believe that you can save me. To believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ literally means to believe that he is able to save you. To save you from what? To save you from sin. To save you from the bondage of the enemy. To save you from falling to that temptation. To save you from hell. That you not be counted among the sinners in the end. But among the saints who have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means he saves. That's why it says that without faith it is impossible to please God. And that those who come to him must recognize that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does it mean to believe that he is God? That nothing is impossible for him. That he is able to save. We have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. What is his name? His name is he saves. Do you believe that he can save you from sin? Or do you believe that the enemy is stronger than him? We've got to examine what we really Believe, I'm not talking about what somebody told you. I'm talking about what God is, what the scripture says that he is, that he is redemption from sin. And we can grab hold of it today by crying out to the name that is above every other name, the only name by which man can be saved, Jesus. There is victory. Because he comes to free us. His commission was to restore sight to the blinded, to mend the brokenhearted, to loose, to set free those who were bound and captive by the enemy. He is able to set you free completely today whom the sun sets free is free indeed he is not bound by the enemy anymore he is changed he is converted he is born again he is freed from the bondage of sin but it takes faith are you willing to believe that he can because without faith it is impossible abraham believed that god was able and it was counted unto him for righteousness you see the word sin in the original Hebrew, it literally meant to fail. What are we failing at? We're failing to listen to God. We're failing to believe what he says, what he's spoken, to walk in obedience to his commandments. His greatest commandment, of course, is to love him more than anyone else and to love others as ourselves. When we fail to do that, then we sin. He's given us the Ten Commandments, the moral law. When we fail to keep that, we sin. When we fail to do what he says is right, we're no longer walking in right standing. We sin. It is a failure to believe him. And when we do that, we face sure judgment. Now, there are different kinds of judgment. We know the final judgment is hell. And many will say, how can a loving God send people to hell? My friend, he is not sending you to hell. You send yourself. He has made a way of escape by offering his son to pay the price with his very life. From the beginning, the agreement that was made between heaven and man was that if they sinned, if they failed to uphold their part of the original agreement, then they would face judgment, the damnation of hell. Therefore, man that is born into sin and walking in sin is already condemned because that he is not walking in alignment and agreement with the word of God. Jesus said that the book itself will judge you in the end. He will not even judge you, but the word of God will be opened up and it will be read and we will see if our lives lined up with what he said was right. Not what we thought was right or wanted to be right. What he said was right. And if our life does not line up with it, then we are condemned by it because that we didn't truly believe it. 
the judgment has already been given. So anyone who is living in sin, they're already condemned. God's not going to condemn them in the end. They're already condemned. God made a way of escape by offering his son as a ransom for their sin, that they would have the opportunity to be cleansed by his blood so that they could then be infilled by his spirit so they could be led by that spirit, empowered by it, which is grace, to give them the ability and the authority to say, get ye behind me, Satan. I don't have to listen to you anymore. I am led by the spirit of the Lord and I am empowered by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead so that I can mortify the flesh. I believe that he is God and nothing is too hard for him and he now lives inside of me so I'm taking authority. You are beneath me and, and I am not listening to you or following your leading anymore. There is power through the spirit of a living God to overcome sin and temptation. But you've got to get plugged in. You've got to abide in him. You've got to get connected to that root and draw from it every day. Pray that you not fall into temptation. Jesus said, can you not pray with me one hour lest you fall into temptation? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you strengthen your spirit man in that time of prayer when you seek the Lord and find him there and God will send strength he will send more grace this is why the Bible says that he pours more grace upon the humble because the humble are willing to seek him for it so we understand that there is a final judgment for everyone who is living in unrepented sin they have not overcome the enemy because that they didn't truly have the faith that the power of grace was strong enough to defeat him. And then there are national judgments. Good people can be living in a nation that is facing judgment because of the overwhelming actions of that nation. But the righteous, the truly righteous, those who are crying out against the sin, the Bible says that judgment will begin at the house of God. And God will send forth an angel to mark those who are truly righteous with protection. And he will know them by the ones who are crying out against the abominations that are in the land. Therefore, if you are not particularly doing anything wrong, but you are not speaking against the wrong and preaching righteousness, then God considers you guilty by acquiescence and you will not be protected from the judgment of it. God protects the righteous. What are the righteous? Those who are in right standing with him. Those who do what he says is right and who speak with their mouth what they believe in their heart. What God has spoken, they will relay. They will stand and defend the word of God and they will preach it every day because they'll believe it every day because that they take the time to pray and be filled with the word of God so that it will overflow in undeniable ways, my friend, it's time that we start crying out to the Lord to be filled so that we can get his heart. And then, of course, there are personal judgments. There are things that God allows to come upon our lives to try to shake us and wake us and save our soul from hell because everything that is not the final judgment of hell is actually the mercy of God trying to save you from the consequences of your own actions. Even within national judgment and personal judgment, there is mercy because God is allowing us to see the consequences of following the leading of those unclean spirits of that enemy of the deceiver that he is deceiving you and that he has nothing good for you in the end hoping that you will repent before the final judgment is given these personal and national judgments they are allowed by the Lord so that we might see the need for the Savior before it's too late because the Savior came Jesus came to save us from judgment from the final judgment but when we stop believing that there is a final judgment, we stop moving in the fear of the Lord, which causes us not to move in wisdom. And when we take foolish actions, it will bring judgment upon our personal life and upon the nation. But in these judgments is God giving us opportunity and place for repentance that we might see the need for a savior again and be willing to cry out.
Jesus, save me. Because those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if he can bring personal judgment on your life and it save your soul from hell, then it's worth it in the end. If he can bring judgment upon a nation and it turn the nation back to God, then it's worth it in the end so that they might repent of their sin and come back to God and not face the final judgment because there's no coming back from that. So we need to humble ourselves, be willing to acknowledge that we need help, get desperate, and cry out. We are saved by grace through faith, but having faith means to believe what he says and to believe that from that point on, the grace is made available to help you walk out what he has spoken. When the woman caught in adultery came to Jesus, she came humbled, crying, and repentant, and he forgave her her sin, but, but then he told her, go and sin no more. You see, we have to seek the Lord every day by faith, and he's going to start to reveal things to us that are out of alignment and agreement with his word, but as soon as we've heard from him, we've got to have faith in what he's saying, and from that day forward, believe in his grace to help us to abstain from it. Her sin was identified that day. And her being brought public in shame was a mercy that she was brought to a place of desperation where she would humble herself before him. And he was willing to forgive her sin, but he could not let her continue therein. What he did was make her to understand that grace has been given, so don't continue in it. You have the power now to overcome it. Go and sin no more. In fact, Jesus said this to almost every person that he forgave in his earthly ministry and even included with it the warning that if you return to this sin, the latter end will be worse than the beginning. When we are made to understand our sin, if we continue therein, we will become more and more bound to it because we begin to move in rebellion. If you have done this, today is the day to allow God to change it by crying out for a savior. If we are truly saved, then we've got to ask ourselves what we're saved from. Are we saved from sin? Are we saved from falling to every temptation, to every wind of doctrine? Are we saved from oppression and depression and the enemy? Are we saved from following the leading of our emotions and our flesh and confusion? Are we saved from addiction? Are we saved from perversion, are we saved from brokenness, are we saved from the enemy or not? Because God said to judge by the fruit, if you're not saved from it now, you cannot expect to be saved from it in eternity. The kingdom of heaven is here now. Grace is available now. Power is available now. The way you die is the way you spend eternity. So get it right now. Cry out. Pray every day and wait upon the Lord until you hear what he has to say and then obey. He will give you the grace to do it if you truly have faith. Is anything too hard for God? If you believe that anything is impossible for him, then you do not believe that he is God. We have to come to him believing in faith that he is God and that nothing is impossible for our God, nor to those who believe, because his spirit lives inside of me. I think that the main reason that when a person falls back into sin, the latter end of them is worse than the beginning is because it crushes their faith. When you first get saved and you have that excitement and that exhilaration and that first love experience, and then you fall away from it and you feel the shame of it kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden they had that daily communion with God but when they sinned and fell away he came and if they would have immediately run to him and repented he would have forgiven their sins and got them back on track immediately but they hid themselves from him and I think many of us do the same thing we hide ourselves from him we don't cry out for him remember that when Peter got out of the boat he had his eyes fixed fully on Jesus, he had all faith to walk on water, but then the storms of this life stir up around us and we get our eyes off of Jesus. We stop praying, we start straying, we stop 
believing, we start losing our faith and we start sinking. But he got desperate. And what did he do? He cried out. And immediately the word says, Jesus reached out and grabbed him and pulled him back up. He didn't have to fight his way. He didn't have to swim his way. He didn't have to stir up the faith. He didn't have to figure out some incantation or do some mighty work. He just had to cry out. And immediately it says, Jesus reached out and got him back on track. And God knew that there was coming very soon the crucifixion and that the storms that were going to surround that were going to cause Peter to stumble and stray and lose his faith again. Why? Because that he didn't listen to Jesus' instructions when Jesus said, can you not pray with me, Peter, one hour that you not fall into temptation? He didn't pray, so he lost his strength. He lost his faith. He fell away, but he remembered that time in the sea when he began to drown. And he cried out desperately and immediately Jesus reached out and pulled him back on track. He pulled him back on the path of righteousness. And my friend, it's the same for you and me. There, all we have to truly do is cry out and believe. I think that the more we return to sin, the harder it is. It's because the more we're shamed we are, the more we hide from him instead of running to him and crying out, God, save me. I'm off track again. There is redemption from sin and backsliding but we've got to humble ourselves to him recognize that we have strayed from him and cry out second peter chapter 2 verse 20 says for if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ understand this this is after saved after having escaped the pollutions of this world because that they have come to know jesus christ as their lord and savior if after this they are again entangled therein to the pollutions of this world and overcome by it the latter end of them is worse than the beginning let me explain this to you my friend not only is it because that it's harder to come back because we have this tendency to hide from him in shame like adam and eve did but it's also because if we don't repent and get it right we actually have a greater judgment of damnation in the end because that we have rejected the blood of Jesus and counted it an unholy thing according to scripture making despite to the spirit of grace in other words not showing it to have more power than the enemy we bring reproach upon Jesus's name and put him to an open shame when we have access to grace but don't use it to overcome sin we will face a greater damnation in the end because of the shame that it brings on the blood of Jesus and because it breaks people's faith they are made to believe the lie of the enemy that God's grace is not enough to free them from the captivity of sin when Jesus came to set the captive free choose to believe receive and walk in the full power and authority of God's grace and if you fall away get on your face and cry out to the Lord that you get back in right standing and start moving in it again before it's too late because if you do not there is a greater damnation for those who had access to grace but did not use it but rather abused the way of escape that Jesus paid for with his life. It says that if this person is entangled again in sin, that the latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the pig that was washed has gone back to her wallowing in the mud. This is why Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, to stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again to the yoke of bondage. Do not return to your sin. Get back in right standing and believe in him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to believe that he's truly God and that nothing is too hard for him. That he can overcome 
sin if we will humble ourselves and seek him. But the answer is prayer. The answer is humility. The answer is getting on our face before him and crying out, God, save me. Jesus, 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 the one who saved me. He saves me. He is salvation. But you have to believe it. Do you really believe that he can save you? Because until you believe that you need to be saved, that you are facing a judgment, you will not be desperate enough. You will not move in wisdom because there will be no fear of the Lord because you do not understand that without him you are already condemned. So cry out Jesus and believe that he is able to save. You cannot be saved if you don't believe that he is God and that he is able to save. Believe on his name. Believe in the name that means he saves. He's able to save you from sin. And if you have backslidden, then do it again. Get on your face and cry out to him. And he knows the heart. He knows if you're playing games with him. If you're just continually sinning in rebellion and then coming back and saying, I'm sorry, expecting that you can just do it again. He's not receiving that. But if you are truly repented, if you are coming before him saying, God, I'm sorry, I don't want this. I don't want to do it again. I believe that your grace today can give me the power to say to the enemy, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, then surely I can mortify this sin, this flesh that I'm walking in because my God is stronger and I believe in him. I believe in the name of Jesus that he is truly salvation. There is judgment for sin. We need to believe it so that we'll get desperate and cry out to him to save us from it. But likewise, there is blessing in righteousness. And how do we come into righteousness to right standing the same way Peter did? We get desperate and we cry out to him. When we get off track, we cry out, Lord, help me, put me back on track. I repent of the thing that I took into my own hand. I repent of my unbelief, my lack of faith in your ability to truly save me. I repent of not trusting in your wisdom or not having a righteous fear of the Lord that I began to take you for granted. God, I repent of whatever the sin is that caused me to stray away. Put me back in right standing with you again. Cry out to him. 1 John chapter 3 verse 5 says, And you should know that Jesus was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Jesus, right? We understand abiding, getting connected, staying connected in prayer, drawing from him if we abide in him. Jesus said to abide in me is for my words to continually be in you and you continually be connected to me so that you can continually hear my voice and follow its leading. Those that abide in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as God is righteous. But he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, which is his words, Remain in him, and he will not sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, or proven, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. God makes it so plain and so clear. And I love how he begins this passage by saying, Let no man deceive you. Because this is one of the devil's greatest tactics. It's the same tactic that he used against Adam and Eve in the beginning in the garden. Did God really say that? Did, did he really? Do you really need to obey what he said? Did he really mean what he said? Go and sin no more. Don't do that. You, you can't do that. Did he really mean that? Do you believe what he said? This has always been the trick of the enemy. To get you to agree with him. To not believe God. But true faith believes what God said. Be not deceived by any man. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, 
He that does righteousness is righteous and is born of God, and he who sins is of the devil. If we continue in sin, we cannot say that we belong to him who is salvation from sin. Jesus paid the price with agony, pain, shame, and suffering to save us from sin, not to allow us to remain therein, but to overcome it. And to those who overcome, it says, it is given to them to rule and reign with him in heavenly places in the end. And the way we get it is not by works and it's not by our own righteousness, but it's by coming into agreement and belief with what he says. And we start with repentance. We cry out to Jesus and believe that he can save us. In Psalms chapter 37 verse 25 it says, I have been young and I am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forever. See repentance, the faith part, turn away from the evil, then grace, the empowerment to do good, and then you will dwell forever. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forever. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. You see, my friend, understanding judgment, the tongue of the wise, of the righteous, speaks of judgment and speaks with wisdom. Because understanding judgment will bring the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, so that we see the need to seek him and to cry out for him, to be imparted by his spirit with greater wisdom that will lead us into the paths everlasting so that the mouth of the righteous, those in right standing, speaks wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. So if you have never truly been saved, if you cannot say there was a point in my life at which I know I was changed, then you haven't truly been saved. Maybe you didn't really have the faith that he could save you, that he could change you. Jesus said that there are many who profess him with their mouth, but their heart is far from him. And that on the final day, there will be many who will call him their Lord, but he'll say, I never knew you. You weren't mine because you're still working iniquity. They were never changed. So if you're not changed by grace, then you never had grace. You didn't have faith in the power of real grace. You didn't believe in his name because his name is he saves. And if you don't believe that he can save you from sin, then you're not believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, my friend, is your day. We're going to cry out to him and you're going to receive him and you're going to be changed by him, converted, as Jesus said, born again. If you have been saved and you know there was a change in your life, but you've strayed, you've fallen away, you've gone back, you've done like that sow who was once clean but returned to her wallowing in the mire and became filthy again. Today is your day. Today is the day of repentance. Because just like Peter, God can pull you back on track in an instant. We just have to have faith in him to do it and call upon his name and believe that he can save. If today you believe that not only are we facing an eternal judgment in the end if we don't repent, but that there is something coming upon this earth and that there are national judgments and even personal judgments that are pending and approaching rapidly, then today is your day because today we will cry out and get into right standing with him. Because the Bible says that he has not appointed the righteous unto wrath. God will always find a way to deliver the righteous man and woman out of judgment and will then turn around to use them in it to reestablish his righteous judgments as they serve to mend up the broken, to bring liberty to the captive, to tend to the widow and the orphan, to shine forth the love of Christ and to help lead others back 
to repentance and newness of life, that the mercy in judgment might be completed through the righteous men and women of God who were willing to speak his decrees through it. So today we're going to pray and we're going to cry out and we're going to get into right standing with him so that we can be in position to not only be protected from the judgments to come, but to be used in them to bring about his will and mercy and redemption to those who are wandering and lost and destitute and in need of a savior. But in order for us to help others believe in him, we've got to first believe in him. We've got to repent of sin and cry out and believe upon the name, which means salvation. Do you believe that he can save you and put you in right standing? Because if you truly believe it, you will receive it and you will walk in the power of grace to demonstrate it and lead others to it. This is how you do it. We cry out to him. And then once we have, we must continue to abide. We've got to commune with him daily. Hear him saying daily, will you not pray with me one hour that you not fall into temptation? Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to speak to you through his word. When you read the Bible, pray first and ask him to explain it to you. When you get agitated or start to move in your emotions, stop and go pray and seek his face and get his instruction and wisdom before you react and end up moving in the flesh again. Worship him daily. Let him pour his spirit into you that he might change your heart and convert you into being more like him to producing those peaceable fruits of righteousness. Rest in him. That you not get anxious or even weary in well-doing. That you might be strengthened. That he can pour into you, correct you, and direct you, and refresh you in the resting and the waiting and the abiding while you're praying. Thank him daily. It is God's will for us to thank him and we can enter into his presence so quickly when we come to him with a spirit of thankfulness. We must enter in to his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. He will open up the very gates of heaven over the place that we are when we come there with thanksgiving and with praise. We must be willing to wait upon the Lord. Just worship and rest and stay there and wait and trust that his presence will come in and will speak life to you. He will speak to you. We've got to be willing to hear him and to wait on him until we do. Because he doesn't always do things in our timing because he knows more than we do. He does things perfectly and sometimes that takes a little while. And if we get impatient, we will step out of that place of prayer and abiding where we're not getting that encouragement and we're starting to act of our own leading. And before you know it, we've messed things up and then we're in shame and condemnation again. And so we hide from him and the cycle starts all over again. My friend, just come back and cry out and repent and let him pull you back on track. Let him prune that branch from you and then get back in the waiting until it produces the peaceable fruits. Maybe he's trying to help you grow patience. Maybe he's trying to help you to get over a swiftness to move to frustration. So get in that place of prayer and wait on him. But when he speaks or reveals something to you, obey, obey, obey. Because the Bible says that it is because Abraham heard God's voice and obeyed it, that it was counted unto him for righteousness. If we want to be counted among the righteous, he's never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. When the righteous cry, the Lord hears their prayers. His ears are attuned to their cry. He comes down from his holy habitation to attend to their need and to ensure that they are not overcome by the enemy. That wrath is not appointed unto him. There is so much that is promised to those who are in right standing. But the way that we get there is to first cry out, repent, and ask him to pull us back into that place of alignment. And then stay there and pray and seek his face until we've heard a word. And just like Abraham, we've got to believe it. We still serve 
the God of the Bible. We still serve the God of Abraham. We have been grafted in. And if we don't believe in him, in this God, the same God who works the same way, then we don't truly have faith and we don't really have his grace because the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it says in the New Testament and in the Old that it was accounted unto Abraham as righteousness because he heard God's voice and believed. He had faith in what God had to say enough to obey. So repent, cry out, believe in the name of Jesus, which means he saves. Believe he is able to save you from sin, from the enemy, from the bondage of him. Completely set you free. Believe the words of Jesus Christ that he suffered and died to Free you from sin and to destroy the works of the enemy and to empower you by his spirit to walk in righteousness, to hear his voice because his sheep know his voice and another they will not follow when we seek his voice and wait until we hear it and then stand fast on it. What he has taught us and spoken to us in faith, fully persuade it, believe it and obey it. We are counted among the righteous just as Abraham. It's that simple. He did it for him. He'll do it for us. He's no respecter of persons. Let him prune you. Let him lead you and teach you. Let him use you. But most of all, let him love you. Even if you've messed up, even if you've fallen away, he's not mad at you. Just come back and call upon his name. The Bible says that he has no greater joy than to know that his children walk in the truth and that he is patient long-suffering. It hurts him, but he is willing to suffer for a long time, being patient with us because that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His desire is that you would repent, that you would cry out and believe in the power that he has given you to abstain from sin so you can escape the judgment. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to come back. He wants you to call upon that name, to cry out and to believe in it. Believe in him. He's given us the grace. It's released. We just have to receive it by faith. We've got to believe in it. If you don't believe that he can, then he won't because the enemy's going to bluff you into falling into sin over and over again. It's time to put the lie away and step into the power of the kingdom, which is here now for those who will believe. Nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. Do you believe him? Then just receive him. Believe in the name of the Lord that he's safe, that he's able to save, cry out, save me. With everything that's in you, with everything you have, cry out in desperation and faith and believe today that he can and he will. Let him fill you. Let him lead you. Choose to believe in him and he can change you. He's not mad at you. He wants you to repent. He wants you to believe. He endured so much to release this to you. He wants you to receive it, to grab hold of it, to take the gift that he has paid such a high price to give you. But many are trampling his blood underfoot and putting him to an open shame because that they don't really have faith that his grace is stronger than the enemy. They have more faith in the power of Satan than in the power of our Christ. But today it's going to change and this is going to change your life. Because when you cry out to him today, you cry out believing in his name. That literally means he saves. You cry out for a savior, not for a covering for your sin or an excuse to continue therein. You cry out for a savior to save you from it and allow him to come in. To cause you to be born again, converted, as Jesus said, changed. Never the same. Let him give you his name, his heart, and his spirit. And then rise up and walk in the power of it. Because once you are in it, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
Let him lead you, guide you, and direct you. Connect with him in prayer every day. Stay in, abiding, connected. And he will begin to show you things day after day that need to change. When he reveals it to you, humble to it and obey it and believe in the power of his grace to help you to abstain from it. From that day forward, return to it no more. The psalmist says that he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He will take you through these things slowly. First things he's going to strip away are the big things. But over time, he's going to reveal smaller and smaller and deeper and deeper things to you as he shows you. Deal with it. Let him prune you and cultivate you and grow you. Don't freak out or want to give up every time he corrects you. He's doing it because he loves you. If he's correcting you, he's perfecting you. And when you make honest mistakes that you didn't willfully, intentfully mean to make, don't think that he hates you for it. He's not even mad at you for it. He understands our mistakes. It doesn't surprise him. It doesn't even anger him. Only pure, outright rebellion provokes God to anger. And even in that, he makes space for repentance. Even when his hand is forced to judgment, there still is mercy in it. Because that he is providing opportunity for repentance but don't play games with God because you don't know what tomorrow holds we don't know when that mercy runs out today is the day of salvation and now is the appointed time so my friend it's time to cry out this is how we get back on track back into righteousness back into alignment with destiny with his will for me this is how we repent we cry out to him because I've never seen the righteous forsaken. This is my confidence. Not in who I am, but in who he is. That when we cry out, call upon his name, confess our sins before him and repent, then he is faithful and just to forgive them. And that's it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11 says, Seeing then, that all these earthly things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking forward and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord? We should always be in anticipation of the return of the Lord, which comes with both judgment upon the wicked and reward for the righteous. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements of the very earth shall melt with fervent heat, so that there is no need to focus on earthly things. This world is not our home. It's all temporary. We should always be setting our eyes on eternity and living to prepare ourselves to receive the prize, which is our Christ. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth only righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Be diligent that we can stand before him on that day without any spot of sin, completely blameless before him. The Bible says that when we walk in selfless, perfect love, we can stand boldly before him knowing that even as Christ was, so were we in the world because we loved God enough to obey his words. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If we truly believe him, we will walk in righteousness. But we've got to believe that he is who he says he is so that we'll do what he says to do and we'll have the faith that releases his grace to achieve it in this life so that we can stand before him without spot or blemish, blameless, because that we truly believe that he was and is and will always be salvation. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle with 
as they do also with other scriptures unto their own destruction, saying that people who do not understand this or believe this, they will read other scriptures because it's kind of hard to understand and they'll wrestle with it to their own destruction because they have not come to terms with the reality that Jesus is salvation, that he has given us the ability to abstain from sin now if we will seek him and daily abide to get his instruction. And if we will come to him and cry out and believe in him as salvation, that we might be able to come and stand before him blameless and spotless. If we don't understand that, then we will be deceived by men and by cunning of the enemy who will come into our ear and say, did he really mean that? Which will break our faith and cause us to agree with the enemy and fall back into temptation and then sin and once again be yoked to the bondage. Don't let it be so. He says that they do not understand the scriptures and it is to their own destruction. But he's saying not to you. I'm laying it out clearly. He says, seeing you know these things, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but rather grow in grace, increase in power, increase in faith, increase in favor in the Lord, increase in being influenced by him. These are the definitions of grace, increase in that overcoming power that demonstrates the blood of Jesus to others and gives you a testimony to share of how he changed your life and proved the devil powerless against the blood of Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God that leads us into righteousness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So my friend, we need to walk in righteousness again. We need to demonstrate it. We need to be a testimony of it. We need to teach it and preach it and encourage people to be it so that their prayers have power, so that they're protected from judgment and wrath, so that they can walk in the destiny that God has for them, so that they can be in right standing on the day of judgment, so that they can be found blameless. Because that they have truly believed by faith in the power of God's amazing grace. Psalms 34 verse 15 says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are opened unto their cry. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth them and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth them that be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So even the righteous have to cry out, but they're not crying out for repentance. They're crying out for deliverance, and the Lord hears their cry. This was the power of Elijah. So God, we come before you today and we pray. We know the world is saying, where is the God of Elijah? But you are looking for a people with enough faith to be the Elijahs of God, that holy, righteous man that prays fervently and avails much. Oh God, we cry out to you. We come to you today and we repent. If there be anything, and I pray that even after this podcast ends, that each person will take some time to truly, genuinely talk to you, to cry out to you from the bottom of their heart and repent of their sin and choose to turn away from it and have faith, release the faith that pours out the grace. That causes us to abstain from sin and walk in righteousness. We cry upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we choose to truly believe in it. To believe that you are salvation. That you are resurrection. That you can change us. That we can be born again. A new man. A new woman. Born of the spirit and led by your spirit. To be in you and you in us. That we become one. God, we choose to trust. Your name is He Saves, and I believe today that you can save me from sin. You can save me from temptation. You can save me from the old man. You can save me 
from death, hell, and the grave. You can change me and make me born again. We are new creatures in Christ. We have been given new life and we will walk in the power of it. God, we cry out upon the name of Jesus. Lord, and in every situation, we pray that you get us on track and in alignment with your will, that we might be in position to fulfill the destiny that you have for us, that even when judgments fall around us, we can be there to help the lost find their way back to the cross. Lord, that we can be the light in the darkness because that we have had faith to believe what we have heard from you and to stand fast in it that we might be able to be used by you even amongst the sinning. Lord, help us to believe. This is not a complicated prayer. This is not a complicated concept. My friend, this is something that truly has to be between you and the Lord. So today I'm going to leave you with this word. Can you not pray with him one hour that you not fall into temptation? Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak and you will not be strengthened until you humble yourself, bend the knee and cry out to the king. Jesus, save me, change me. Today, I truly believe. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.